Welcome to the Av Youth Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to our latest messages and everything Av Youth related. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Um, but other than that, you guys know that we are in the series, What in the 2020? And it's honestly probably my favorite series that we've planned out so far because it goes over how crazy this year has been. We can all agree that this year has been pretty wild. Like, it's been absolutely insane. From the pandemic to social injustice to athletes that are super talented dying. We got, we got even talented musicians now that are, that are losing their lives. And it's like, dang, what's going on? And I think the one that gets me the most is, like, cancel culture. Like, that's, that's been the one you've probably seen the most. Or the debates. Like, that's nuts, right? All these things have been thrown at us, and it's a lot to, lot to swallow, you know what I mean? A lot to take in at times. So that's kind of what we're talking about in this series. And the whole reason behind the series is kind of thinking, you know, this is going to be in our history books one day. History books. <laughs> um, but with that being said, how do we want to be remembered by it? Like, do we want to remember 2020 as an awful year because of everything else around us and then including ourselves? Or do we want to remember 2020 as the year that we grew closer to God? The year that we were like, you know what? 2020 was rough. There was a lot of storms. But those storms helped me grow so much more than I ever thought I would have before, right? So we can take everything we experience and we can actually flip it and make it to where we actually grow from it, right? We look at the flowers and we know that the flowers need water to grow. And naturally, if I don't water a flower on my own, the storms are used to help preserve the life. So let's look at it that way. Let's, let's go into this night and see that this night is one that we get to see a new perspective, one that maybe we weren't expecting when we walked into this place. Maybe we don't even believe in Jesus. You just came and your friend was like, hey, come skate with me. Or your friend was like, we got food, and we didn't. But it's fine. <laughs> we'll get food after, something like that. But I just want to know, before we get into it, have you ever experienced a, like a, a situation or a circumstance where you're with other people, and for whatever reason, you guys have a confrontation about something? And... There's usually about three people in it, maybe more. Uh, but for whatever reason, someone decides to choose a side or pick the other person's side. That doesn't feel good, right? It's awful. <laughs> but it happens all the time. We're people, we have different opinions, and we choose different sides all the time. But it makes us ask this question every time out of frustration. Whose side are you on? So that's actually the title of today's message. If you're taking notes, go ahead and title this. Whose side are you on? And I want to know real quick. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask a question, but I'm going to pray real quick, and we'll get into it. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Father, right now, I just want to come to you so grateful for where you've placed all of us today. And I truly believe that this is not a coincidence that we are here, but, God, that you've, you've made a divine appointment for us, God, that you've, you, you've constructed this moment for us. And, God, I pray that you use me, you speak through me. Let these be none of my words and all of yours. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And we all said... Amen. Awesome. So I want to know who drives. Who drives? We got a lot of hands. That's awesome. I love it. All right. So anyone who just started recently driving, how did you get your license? You drove? Okay, you're a perfect man to ask. How did you get your license? Did you, were your parents like just sick of it? And they were like, you know what? We want you to drive yourself. I don't want to take you to school anymore. Or was it like you had to get grades or like... <laughs> that's great so honestly when I think about where 
the root of parents letting their kids drive, most of the time it's like, eh, like I don't want to take you anymore. Like you're old enough, you can drive, I'm good, right? But my dad was totally different. My dad was like, you know what? You need to get a 4.0 GPA. Who has pretty strict parents in that aspect? They want good grades, right? And it's like, if you don't, you're not getting your license. So if you guys know me, I'm kind of a dingaling. I'm kind of a like a dingus, you know what I mean? And it's like, you can't see me getting a 4.0. But somehow I managed to get a 4.0 my sophomore year, going into my junior year, and I was able to take some classes to learn about how to drive. But when I did that, what was so funny about it is that I was so shocked that when I went home with the permission, not permission slip, sorry, with the, what do they call those with your grades on it? Why am I blanking? Report card, progress report, report card. Yes, exactly. When you have that and you take it home, you're all happy. You got a 4.0, right? Most parents are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to give you anything you want right now. Let's reward you for this. My dad was like, oh, that's cool. You need to get a job now. And I was like, what? Like, why? Like, you just told me I need to get a 4.0 and I'm good. Like, I'm straight. I can go take my driver test. But didn't work out that way. So I was pretty frustrated. And I remember sitting there. I was like, man, like, this stinks. Like, I don't want to go get a job. I'm going to have to call Wendy's and I speak to Wendy and see if she can give me a job, right? So <laughs> I went to Wendy's, got a job, and I was looking for jobs before then. And I remember talking to my aunt in the process and saying, hey, do you know if there's anyone you know that's looking to hire somebody? Because we all know if we have relatives, sometimes things work out in our favor that way. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, a matter of fact, you can just package these boxes and I'm going to pay you $20 an hour. Like, I always heard stuff like that in high school. Like, how did you get the easy job? Like, I got stuck flipping burgers. You know what our catchphrase was at Wendy's? We don't have round patties because we don't cut corners. Like, that was the dumbest thing ever. And I was like, this is stupid. But besides that, besides dealing with those Wendy's burgers and I hated them but besides all that I remember getting into an argument with my aunt because she was like why are you asking me about a job I was like well why not I want to get a license and she's like license and when she heard that it was game over she was like she was game on she was ready to destroy every reason why I wanted a license she's like you don't need one you're gonna be driving a big truck you're gonna crash it I kind of did but that's not the point um so you know all these things and I'm sitting there like huh, what's going on? And she's talking to my dad right in front of me. And I'm sitting there like, yo, you can't talk smack right in front of me. Like, I'm right here. Like, you guys can, like, go in the other room. You guys can, like, call each other. But you're going to talk smack right here. Like, I'm hearing everything. So I'm getting upset. I'm getting mad. I'm getting ready to, you know, burst out in outrage. And I'm like, this is stupid. I was like, I deserve to get a license. I got the 4.0. I'm getting a job. I need to get this license. How am I going to get to work? How am I going to get to school? What's going to happen? Dad, you're not going to want to take me forever. I'm coming up with all these different things, these different scenarios. But I remember being so bitter with my aunt after that. She left. She went home. And I was bitter and very unforgiving. And it was all because I thought I deserved where I was. I thought I deserved to get a license. Right? So the whole point of that is that I want to take you to a place in the Bible where you actually see something very similar. Now, there's no cars. There's no 350Zs. There's no Mustangs. There's nothing cool and glamorous about this story except for one great dad. So if you have your Bibles, I want you guys to open up to Luke 15, and we're going to start in verses 11 and 12. But while you're flipping there, if you're taking notes, title this point, point one, it's what I deserve. And it's all going to tie into how I kind of thought I deserved a license. So verse 11, starting there little backstory on this chapter. We get to see that Jesus is trying to talk to the people 
that he's talking to. He's trying to tell them, hey, this is the value of a lost thing. This is the value of a lost person. And then for the last time, he talks about it again in this exact moment that we're reading. He talks about the value of a lost person. Um, so we're going to open up with verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, at first glance, you think about this story and you say, well, the father just gave his son what he deserved. It was his, it was his inheritance. But when we think about it, say the kid was 20 years old. Say he was my age. 20 years ago, that kid was a baby. He didn't work for any of the father's wealth, right? The father's wealth was the father's wealth. It didn't belong to anybody else. So it all belonged to the father. And the son thought, you know, I deserve it. But the father was like, okay. Now, I wish my dad would have said okay. Um, But that's not the point. So the whole point is that I wanted to get my license in the same way with not thinking that the car that I was going to be getting, I wasn't buying it. I wasn't paying for it. And in that aspect, did I really earn it? No, it wasn't mine. It wasn't mine to begin with. So I should be grateful for anything that was given to me. So the son in this story now takes all the money that he, his dad gives him and he goes and blows it. He spends it on some wild living. He goes buck wild with it. He, you know, he's, uh, he's going out to clubs every weekend. He's getting drunk every weekend. He's buying all the stizzy pods he can. He's buying all the plug and play pods he can, all those carts and everything that he can. And he's like, this is what life's about. Hey, yo, you want to go? Like, he's telling everybody, like, let's go. Let's go experience this. This is life. And that's what they do. So we can assume that more than likely, once the money started to run out, people were like, hey, bro, if you're not, if you're not paying for me anymore, I got I to gotta do my own thing. I can't really deal with this right now. So that's exactly what happened. He ends up all alone and realizing, I need a job. I need to get money again because he wasted all of his money. So... The Bible describes how he ended up with pigs, feeding them. And he had to beg for this job. Begs for this job, feeding pigs. Reminds me of my Wendy days. Um, It might as well be a pig food. But he starts looking at the pig food and says, man, like, this looks good. Like, this looks great. And I'm, like, reading the story, and I'm, like, dude, I don't even look at dog food and say it looks good. Like, what makes me think slop from pig food is going to look good? I don't know what he was thinking. But he was obviously very hungry. But. One thing about this man is that he was Jewish. And the fact that he was Jewish means that if he's hanging around with pigs, those are unclean, which now make him unclean. Which in that process of him being unclean, now nobody wants to talk to him because he's unclean. Because if I were to touch someone who's unclean, now I'm unclean. So what does this do for him? This means that he now gets separated from the world. And now he's in isolation. And it kind of reminds me of the very beginning of the story where he tells his dad, you are dead to me. I want my inheritance now. He disassociates himself from his dad. But let's keep going because in verse 20, we get to see that he starts to realize, my dad's servants have it so much better than I do. They get fed. They get, they get supplied with everything. And I want that. If I could just go back to my dad's house and work for him just to be a servant, I'd be okay. I'd have it way better than I have it right now. I'm not going to deal with those pigs. I'm good. 
So that's exactly what he does. And he goes home, and on his way home, we see in verse 20, verse 20 reads, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He said to his son, or sorry, his son said to the father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Verse 22, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. The dad's kind of a rapper because I kind of rhymed, but I don't know. That was pretty tight. Anyways, so what we see is that the dad is so ecstatic. The dad is so excited to see his son, but we are quick to forget that his son at one time hated his dad. He wanted nothing to do with his dad. He was sick of his dad. He said, I don't want you in my life. I want everything you can give me, but I don't want any work in the process. I don't, I don't want to know you. I want myself, and that's it. He was very full of just him. He was focused on him. And what we see is that that's a crazy kind of love. That's a crazy kind of love that a father would say, oh, you know, you said all those things, and I gave you all, those mon- all that money, and you blew it, but hey, come on. Let's go. Let's go have a party. Like, in fact, he throws a celebration just to celebrate that his dad, or sorry, that his son is back. When that's really crazy is that when we look at the story, we think about there's two sons. Very beginning, we get to see there's two sons. What happened to the other son? And that's all I could think about when I was writing this message. What happened to the other son? And then I kept reading. And if you have have your notes, write down point two. Point is, what about me? Because now we get to see the older son. And in verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, while the older son was in the fields working, he was working, he was doing his stuff. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Verse 27 says that your brother is back. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry. And wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me a young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering, after wasting your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son. You have always stayed by my side, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So what we see is that the older brother was so angry that his dad brought the son back. He was so angry because he said, you know, I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing what you're asking me to do. I'm doing everything right, and... You know, my brother, he didn't care about you. He doesn't care. But because now he was in the dirt, he wants you. And this isn't fair. Why, why does he deserve more, more things than I get? And see, this is where we can become, as Christians, in the wrong. Because don't we kind of do this? We kind of get angry sometimes at the circumstances we face. Maybe, maybe there's things at school that we're going through. Maybe we're lonely. Maybe, maybe we're... We're being hated at school. People are picking on us nonstop. Maybe, maybe we don't have our parents around, and we're, we're trying to follow God and trying to pick up all these pieces and trying to look 
try to figure out what that looks like. And in the process, we get angry, right? And listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that those things don't hurt. I'm not saying that those things aren't frustrating, because they can be, right? But the older brother's response is that I'm going to disassociate myself with both my father and my younger brother, because I don't agree with what they just did. What does that sound like? It sounds like cancel culture. So you don't agree with me? I want nothing to do with you. You don't agree with me? I'm done with you. Listen, we can't agree on where to eat. That's it. We're done. Uh Uh-uh. Later, I'm getting canes. You know what I mean? Like, nobody does that. Nobody does that. But people still do to a different degree, right? We look at politics. We look at the latest debate. And I don't even like to talk about politics, but it's like you like one side and you like another, and you get the two sides saying, oh, you like that side? Yeah, don't talk to me. Unfollow my page. It's like what happened to the love that Christ was supposed to unite for us, right? And now then we get mad as Christians and say, well, look at what they're doing. Now Now, look at cancel culture. They're, they're canceling everybody. And how, how bad is that? How wrong is that? But, yeah, we do the same thing. See, the problem is, is that we are just alike. And going back to what I was saying earlier is that the things that we go through are real. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that the sins that have been committed against you, the things that you've experienced in your life, I'm not saying, I don't know what you've experienced in your life. It could be crazy. It can be horrible. And it could be the worst thing that I could ever even imagine. But let me tell you one thing. We have a skewed view of sin. Because we can look at our lies and say, oh, you know my lie? Yeah, I lied last week. Told my teacher I did my homework. Told my parents I did my homework. It's about that small. But this person, oh, man, dude, they went and got high. Or maybe that is you. Maybe you just got high and you just thought it was no big deal. But then we look at how God views sin, and what does he say? Not that, they're, not that this one that's been hurting you the most is down here, but see that all of them are up here. That we, are, we are head deep in these, all right? We cannot get out of sin. We do not want to escape it. We love it too much. But the problem is, is that we all view our sin as not that bad. And see, I don't want you guys to check out or be discouraged right now because there's some great news. The great news is, is that even though that kind of hurts, sin is sin, it's all equal. What does that mean? We're all on the same playing field. I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. You're no better than the people you don't agree with. You're no better than the people that disagree with you and think that they're higher than you. We're all equal. And we all deserve the same thing. So point three, I don't want what I deserve. Point three is I don't want what I deserve. And I'm going to get real with you guys right now because I was thinking about this message and I said, you know what, I could, I could, preach, a, I could preach a message and I could not share anything about me and just say, you guys are all wrong, <laughs> later. No, <laughs> I'm just as bad and we're going to share why. When I was a student back I want to say a little over two years ago, two and a half years ago, back in 2018, um, I was 17 at the time, and we went to a youth convention. And I didn't really, I wasn't really a follower of Jesus. I called myself one, but I didn't really know who Christ was. I kind of just went with emotions, went to Wednesday night, and got drunk every week, uh, went to parties every week, and then would just throw up. And I was just that, I was that guy in the corner. Um, it was great. <laughs> so great. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was awful. But 
the thing is, is that in the process of all those things, I finally realized, like, what am I doing? And when my friend invited me to go to the youth convention, he said, hey, dude, don't worry about it. It's free. You can go. And you're going to a hotel for a weekend. Why would you say no? And I was like, all right, bet. I've never been to a hotel. Let's go. And he's like, all right, we're going to Long Beach. Pack your bags. Let's go. And I remember taking this stupid bag. If you guys have been to youth convention, you know the stupid van bag. It's like a little literal van. Um, it's a white van that I carry around. It's from Snap-on Tools. Um, I love that little bag, but I also hate the little bag because it's so small. Um, but I packed it up, and I said, hey, let's go. And I was having a great time. I pulled up to youth convention, and the music's bouncing, bro. We're like, we're having a great time. The DJ's playing all the lit songs, and I'm like, ah, let's go. Travis Scott, yeah. <laughs> but in the process of it, I was like, I don't know if I'm really down with this. I don't really know how I feel about this yet. So as that night continued, there was a message, and I paid attention. And it kind of, oh, you know, very similar to right now, maybe what you're experiencing. I was just like, eh. But I went home, or not home, but I went to the room that night because we were obviously in a hotel. And when I went to the hotel, I remember texting a girl and saying, hey, <laughs> I want pictures of you naked. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened and I remember sitting there thinking this is a place and like I know it's funny but like this is a place where you were supposed to seek more relationship with God and this is real this is me being 100% honest with you and it's like when you look back that was two and a half years ago I don't deserve to be where I am none of us deserve what we have the life that God has given us can be so quickly wasted like the money that the father gave to the son in the story. We have, we have been given breath and life and, and gifts and abilities for the glory of God. And yet we still look at ourselves and say, I am going to do this on my own. Because I gave myself these things. We didn't. We don't deserve where we're at. See, the thing is about sin is that we deserve judgment we deserve God's wrath but he doesn't give it to us and how does he show that in the form of the life death and resurrection of Christ you see Jesus came to this world so that we wouldn't have to experience that we wouldn't have to experience the wrath of God but instead to experience the life abundant that he would give us in eternity and relationship with him that's what he did on that cross. See, Jesus took our sins and he, he took it upon himself. You see, Jesus went to the cross, yes, but what he did, he acted as our substitute. He took our place. Think about your teachers when it comes to class. That's a substitute, someone that takes the place. Jesus took our place and took the death that we deserved and we did not deserve to be where we're at right now. And some of us may still be in that. Maybe you don't believe in Jesus. But I'm telling you right now, to have the privilege that I have to be able to say I work at such an amazing church and to be able to speak to such amazing kids like yourselves, guys, this is unreal. It's only from one person and one person only, and that's Christ. He has grace and mercy, and it's extended in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. We don't deserve that. We don't want what we deserve. That's the whole point. And Jesus didn't want to give that to us anyways. You see, the Bible says that God was quick to forgive, but he had to do it some way. And it was through Jesus. And maybe you don't know 
anything about Jesus. Maybe this is your first time hearing about this, or maybe it's the first time it's tugging at you, and you're like, you know, this is weird. Robert, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to hear this anymore. But the, the, the point is, is that this is so real. And I don't think that you're here by coincidence. I truly believe that God has placed you here in this moment today to be able to experience a relationship with him. And whether you've backslid, whether you've, you've never even heard this, you want to experience it, you want to know what that relationship looks like, let me tell you this first. We're going to get into that, but you can't do it alone. Please don't do it alone. I don't want to see you guys fail. I, I, I was so subject to this. We see that. I was going to church for months and months and months before I went to youth convention, and I still did the same old things each time. I did it alone. So tonight is the night that you get to experience that. If you've never experienced it in your life, I want you to be able to experience that tonight. So if we can, let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for all you have done for us. God, I thank you for the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. That way, meet, that way we may be forgiven. And Father, I pray right now that for anyone that's tug, that you're tugging at their hearts, God, that you want, you want to be in relationship with them because you seek relationship for all of us. God, I pray that tonight is their night and they know not to be ashamed anymore, God, that you forgive them, God, that you are able to, to take away and kick down any walls that they may have and that they feel like this is too big for you, God. God, you are the creator of the universe and you can handle our big problems because they're very small to you. So if you guys want to experience a relationship tonight, I just want you guys to raise your hand. I'm going to count down from three. You guys can raise your hand. So on the count of three, one, nobody's looking. Two, this is a moment between you and Jesus. Three, if that's you, just raise your hand tonight. Just raise your hand tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can put your hands down. Father, I pray right now for those that lifted their hands, God. Whether they backslid, God, or whether it's the first time coming into relationship with you, God, I pray right now that you are able to shape their hearts, God. Restore the heart to back to the original creation that you intended, God. God, I pray right now in this moment that in those, in those, those next weeks, God, that, that they feel alone, that they reach out to a leader, God, that they reach out to one of us because we know what it's like to do us alone. And we don't want to see that anymore. Father, I thank you and we praise you and it's your name and we all said, amen.